Welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Today, you are going to learn how to outsmart emotional eating and live a life of happiness and joy without giving up the foods you love. Now, here is Dr. Nina. Hi, welcome to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rocklin. I am a psychoanalyst, and I am here to help you liberate yourself from emotional eating, take control of your life, and feel good in your body, all without dieting, spending hours in the gym, or counting a single macro. It is possible. And today we're going to talk about the seven astonishing ways that dogs can unleash optimal well-being. Yes, it is true. Did you know that you can get amazing lessons on healthy living from your dog? And that has everything to do with your relationship with food because when it comes to binge eating, stress eating, or any kind of emotional eating, the real problem is not food. No, it is not. It is not willpower. It is not control. It is not addiction. It is not food. The real problem is what is eating at you, what is going on with you. And by the way, when we don't know how to soothe ourselves, comfort ourselves, or respond to ourselves in a healthy way, we often turn to food for comfort, distraction, and relief. So creating a healthy relationship with yourself has everything to do with stopping binge eating or emotional eating. And when it comes to taking care of ourselves, we can learn a lot from dogs. So let me tell you what inspired this philosophy. And if you're if you're watching on Instagram, you're going to see a picture of Zane the Dane, my 165 pound Great Dane. I'm showing a picture of him as a as a as an as is a detective, as a as a Victorian gentleman. It's awesome. If you're listening to it, well, I'm going to post it somewhere on Instagram so you can see the picture later. And by the way, if you are on Instagram, if you're on the live feed on Instagram, feel free to drop a comment um, or a question anytime. So Zane the Dane is 165 pounds of pure love and sweetness. And I think we can all learn a lot from him and from all dogs. So if you have a dog or you know someone who does, think of how life would be if you treated yourself as well as you treated your dogs or the way your friends treat their dogs. So I'm going to go over seven very specific ways that dogs help us unleash optimal well-being. So number one, sniff out self-love. And by the way, apologies for the dreadful puns. I just had a lot of fun with this. I couldn't help it. I'm sharing it with you. (laughs) Sniff out self-love. Pay attention to your personality, not your weight. Do you know anyone who is focused on how much their dog weighs or how good their dog looks in any particular leash, color, or outfit? Maybe they say their dog is a pudge, but they usually say it with affection. Usually people talk about how smart their dog is, how feisty, how funny, or how goofy, or how shy. You know, they talk about the qualities of their dog. They don't say things like, you know, my dog is too overweight to even be seen in the company of other dogs. My dog should not eat in front of others at any time. They do not say that. So what if you focused on your personality and not your pounds? How would you describe yourself? What qualities do you like and appreciate about ourselves? 
yourself. Because when we only think about what we don't like about ourselves, that's what we tend to focus on. That's all we see, whether it's things about you as a person or things about your appearance. One thing that you can do, by the way, is look in the mirror. And a lot of people are afraid to look in the mirror. When they do, they only see the things they don't like, which of course makes you want to avoid mirrors at all times. But I challenge you to look in the mirror and find something you do like about yourself. There will be something. And before you say, no, no, there's nothing. I hate everything about myself. No, there's something you can like. You might like your eyes or your hair or your eyebrows or your mouth or your teeth or your hands or your something about you physically. This is not one of those, oh, just think about what a good person you are only. Think about like how you filter out the things that you like, and only see the things that you don't like. So I challenge you, look in the mirror, see something you like, and every time you look in the mirror, I want you to focus on that. Let's start changing that filter so that you like yourself more and sigh, hey, sigh, sigh, Hearn, you're the best. <laughs> Sighs on Instagram right now. Okay, so it, so then, so number one, sniff out self-love, pay attention to your personality, not your weight, but also pay attention to what you like about you, not just what you don't like in the mirror. I guarantee you, the more that you see the things that you like, the better you're going to feel. It takes practice. Practice makes progress, not perfection. Okay. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is unleash optimal well-being. Unleash. See what I did there? Oh, I told you. I'm all about the puns today. I'm so sorry, but it's kind of funny. I cracked myself up. Okay. So be comfortable with your needs. If your dog is hungry, for example, do you say something like, oh, what is wrong with you? Oh my God, I can't believe you're hungry again. Okay. You can have a little food, but not too much. And not the food you really like. No, you don't say that. You feed your dog. If your dog needs to go out, you take your dog out. You don't say, you know, your basic needs are just too much for me. You're just too much to handle. I just can't deal with you being hungry. Why not give yourself permission to eat too or to have any needs? So many of us battle ourselves. We fight our hunger, which of course... You know, leads to being really hungry, which leads to overeating or binging out of hunger or out of deprivation. Because when we're on a diet, there's always something we can't eat. It's always like, eat this, but not that. And so whatever it is that you think you cannot have, that's what you want. It, And then you have the mentality of, oh, well, I can only have this now because tomorrow I'm going back on another diet and I'm going to be good. So I might as well have as much of this as I can and all the other things I'm not allowing myself to have because, you know, the day is ruined. The day is blown. I start my diet tomorrow. This leads to the, that's called the last supper mentality, which means you have this last supper, except it's not, of all the things you don't let yourself have which basically is overeating or binging. And those last suppers add up and it keeps you in that diet binge cycle. Or maybe you just starve yourself and you get so ravenous, you can't stop eating once you start. There are 
the, the, here are the reasons for binging, by the way. One, you you don't eat enough, so you're so starving and ravenous that you end up binging later because then you can't feel full until you've had way too much and then you go, oh no, oops. Second reason is when you're eating for the wrong reasons. You're tired and you're eating to pep yourself up. Like, oh, I'm so exhausted. Let me just have some cookies or chocolate or something with sugar in it. I'll just, you know, wake myself up through eating. No, that is not the right response to being tired. Or you're all anxious and amped up and you you feel all jittery or you've had way too much caffeine and you eat stuff to sedate yourself and calm down. Or you are deprived and you want the thing that you cannot have, which is what I just talked about. Or, and this is, this is what happens with binge eating disorder, you are eating as a way of coping. You are coping with something within. Something is eating at you and your response is to use food for comfort, distraction, to symbolically fill a void. Not that you're consciously thinking of this. You're not going like, oh, I feel so empty and lonely. I think I'll just eat food, which will fill my stomach, and that will give me the sense that I am not lonely. No, you just feel compulsive. It's unconscious. It's out of awareness, but it's not out of operation. So we're not aware of why we're doing it, which is why we have to become much more aware of why we're doing it. Because then you are addressing the real problem and not focusing on the solution to the problem, actually, which is eating. So, so many of us battle ourselves. We fight our hunger, which leads to overeating. It leads to binging. Um, and physical deprivation, again, leads to starvation. So by the time you let yourself eat, it's hard to stop. All of these reasons are why you might be binging. So if you, if, if this is what you're doing, give yourself permission to eat what when you are hungry. Don't let yourself get so hungry that you end up binging. Give yourself permission to, to have food neutrality. Instead of this is a good food and this is a bad food, food is food. And you can check in with yourself. Why am I eating this? Am I eating it because I'm trying to cope? Am I eating for comfort, distraction, to, to just get out of my head, just to feel nothing for a moment? Am I eating out of deprivation? Am I eating because I've got food rules that say I shouldn't have this, so I might as well have a lot of it now? So really think about what your needs are, how you can meet them so you don't use food as a way of meeting the need or avoiding the need, which just ends up with binging. All right. So those are the first two tips of how we can learn from dogs. The third is to have a tail wagging presence. <laughs> I told you, I cracked myself up. All right, be in the moment. Act like a dog. And I don't mean in the sense of men are dogs, which is so stereotypical and wrong and so unfair to guys, but that's a whole other story. I won't go down there. But in the sense that dogs are fully in the moment. They are attuned to themselves. They naturally engage in self-care. Now, vets often say, if you if you put a bowl of dog food out at a particular time and then you take it away 10 minutes later, the dog will eat it all at once. And vets sometimes want you to do that because it helps with training and stuff like that. And so you know what happens when that dog thinks that their kibble or whatever, 
you know, homemade dog food or <laughs> farmer's dog or whatever it is that you're feeding your dog is going to be taken away. They eat it out of the, uh-oh, I better get it while it's here kind of mentality. But if you don't take away that bowl and you leave it out, dogs know, hey, that food is going to be there. And then they will only eat until they are satisfied. Dogs are intuitive eaters unless you train them to not be intuitive eaters. They'll eat when they're hungry and they'll stop when they're full, just like kids, until we teach them diet mentality, in which case they 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 stop being intuitive eaters. Or when we start rewarding them with food, then they stop being intuitive eaters. But the same thing is true of humans. If you think this is the last pizza or ice cream or cookies or burger and fries or whatever, if this is the last forbidden food that I am allowed to have until I lose weight, then you are probably going to eat more of it than you would otherwise. Again, deprivation leads to binging. And that is for both physical and psychological reasons. If you think, hey, I can have this anytime I want, then you can decide whether or not you want it and how much you want of it if you decide to have it. So case in point, I always bring up the story of um, Halloween. Some of you who've been listening to the show know the Halloween stories of my my daughter, the, the Halloween situation. Actually, both my daughters had a Halloween situation. My, my older daughter had a friend whose parents were those people who said, oh, you can only have two pieces of Halloween candy, and then we're going to take your candy away from you, and we're going to give you two pieces of candy a day, and that's all you can have until maybe next Halloween. So naturally, while we were all trick-or-treating, without the parents, by the way, my daughter's friend kept sneaking candy, and she ate it until she was physically sick. She actually got a stomachache. So whereas our daughter knew that she could have as much candy as she wanted, she had a few pieces. She was done. She, she knew it was there if she wanted it. She, she didn't want it. She could decide whether she wanted it or not. When you give yourself choice, instead of taking choice away from yourself, you can decide if you want it or not. And then my other daughter, years later, went trick-or-treating with a friend whose parents had that same, you know, like, sugar is poison mentality. And her friend was sneaking candy all night. And at the end of the night, my daughter said, I am so hungry. And my husband looked at her king-size pillowcase filled with candy. <laughs> Unbelievable. And he said, naturally, hey, just have some of that. You've got a whole king-size pillowcase full of candy. Have some candy. And she looked just like annoyed. And she said, I am not eating that. I want real food. Yeah, I was very proud of her in that moment. Actually, I was proud of me. I was like, ah, oh, I have broken the cycle. I have raised intuitive eating kids instead of, let's say, how I was raised, but we won't go into that. So when we know it's going to be there, we don't want it so much, right? So again, this is something that we can really practice and implement. It's not going to happen right away. You're not going to go from total diet mentality or I can't have that or, you know, if I start eating that, I'll, I won't be able to stop to, oh, you know, I want real food. It doesn't happen right away. But remember, you learned this way of relating to yourself and to food and you can unlearn that and learn a new way. It really is possible. 
as long as you look at food as not the problem, but the solution to the problem. And when I say that, people look at me like I just, like, I don't know, like grew a second head or something. Like, what? What do you mean? No. Eating is the solution to the problem. It is not the problem. The problem is some difficulty with some emotion that you don't want to have, some some feelings, some thoughts, some conflict. The problem might be uh, deprivation. The problem might be that you don't know how to comfort yourself, soothe yourself. And if we don't know how to reliably be with ourselves in a nurturing, loving, kind way, guess what? We find a way to soothe and comfort ourselves. It's just a coping strategy. Binge eating is a frenemy. It is a friend. It helps us out in some way. It gives us comfort. It allows us to distract ourselves. For example, recently someone told me that she was super mad at herself because she had gained back some weight. And she went on and on and on about how mad she was at herself for gaining weight. And I said, well, if you couldn't be mad at yourself, who or what would you be mad at? Oh, I'm not mad at anyone. I'm just mad at myself. Well, we kept we kept digging. And finally, she told me that she was really mad at her sister, super mad at her sister, just so frustrated with her sister. But she felt guilty about being frustrated with her sister. It was a bit of a, let's just say, self-absorbed person putting it nicely. And rather than feel, rather than allow herself to be upset with her sister and disappointed in her sister, she was disappointed in herself for eating and gaining weight. And she was using food as a way of distracting and comforting. And if we had just been like, well, next time, you know, food calls your name, do this take a walk, take a bubble bath, write in your journal, whatever, she wouldn't have gotten anywhere because she really was displacing her frustration towards someone else onto herself. So there's always a reason you really want to be curious about why you're turning to food and not what you are eating. It is a solution to the problem. The problem is something you don't want to feel. The problem is something you don't want to think about or just uh, physiologically, the problem is you're tired and you're using candy to wake up or cake or something with sugar usually, or you're anxious and you're using it to sedate your body. So no matter how you look at it, it is a solution to the problem. It is not the problem. Okay. Next tip. Unleash joy. Exercise because you love it. Think about it. Think about exercise and dogs. Dogs go out and they just have fun. They don't think, oh, I really have to make myself go on that walk. I have to go on that walk. It is good for me. It will burn calories. I have to do it. I have to go on that walk. I've got to go exercise. I don't want to, but I really should. No. Dogs think, or so I imagine, Dogs think, I get to go out. Yes, I get to go out, 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 out. I get to go out. I get to play. I get to run around. Yay, it's going to be so awesome, amazing. Woohoo! Right? So find something you love to do. Right? 
when you are doing something you love, you don't have that attitude towards exercise because you're not looking at it as exercise. You're looking at it as something fun you get to do. So whatever you love to do, that that whether that is running, I don't understand this, but some people actually love running. This is beyond my comprehension. I found I find running to be just torture, torture. Walking, love walking. Dancing, love dancing. Yoga, mm, me, not so much, but lots of people love it. Maybe you love it. Weight training, love weight training. Whatever, whatever it is that you love to do, do it because then you're going to have the attitude of, ooh, I get to do this. Find something you love to do and do it because you're not going to feel like you are exercising. You're going to feel like you're doing something you love and you're going to be so excited to do it and you're going to feel good. And it's not going to feel like this torturous obligation to yourself. And by the way, if you've ever picked up a leash and had your dog look at you with this, like, uh, I don't think so, like this indifferent look, like, mm, no, I am not moving an inch off this couch or doggy bed. No, no, no. I am not going on that walk. You can just take that leash and put it down. Or in Zane's case, yes, it's always a couch or a bed. This couch, that couch, the other couch, or the bed. That's where he lives. There's no like doggy bed on the floor for this guy. He is he is one plush pup. Okay, so guess what? Dogs do not beat themselves up if they don't want to go on a walk. They don't say, oh my God, I'm so lazy. I can't believe I don't want to go on a walk. What is wrong with me? I suck. I'm never going to lose weight. I'm never going to be in shape. Oh, no, they don't do that. They just don't go on a walk. So don't make it a character issue if you don't want to exercise. And by the way, if you're telling yourself that you are lazy and there's something wrong with you because you don't want to go on the walk or whatever the walk is to you, then you're going to feel bad because you are shaming yourself. And when you feel bad because you've just made yourself feel bad because of the way you're talking to yourself, guess what food is? Food is going to help you escape the shame and feel better momentarily. How about you don't shame yourself in the first place? Let me just take a moment and talk about the difference between guilt and shame. So guilt is when you, and I think I'm coming up to a break, but I'll just, I'll just keep talking until Jordan tells me we're taking a break. All right. Um, guilt is when you feel bad about something you did or didn't do. So guilt sounds like, oh, I, I shouldn't have, um, I should, I shouldn't have eaten those cookies. Sh wish I hadn't eaten those cookies or, oh, I, I wish I had gone and, and, you know, gone to the gym like I planned. Like that. I feel guilty about that. So guilt is about action or inaction. Shame is a is a sense that so so guilt is you feel bad because you did something or you didn't do something that you want to do or don't want to do. Shame is a sense of feeling bad about yourself. So shame is when you say, What's wrong with me that I ate those cookies? oh, there's something wrong with me or what's wrong with me? I didn't go to the gym or, or what, what have you. Shame is a terrible sense of 
there's something inherently wrong with you. And that is unbearable. And if you cannot, oh, I have four minutes. Okay, we're good. If you cannot, if you, if you, you cannot shame yourself and lift yourself up at the same time. You cannot shame yourself and support yourself at the same time. It is impossible to say, I feel so bad about myself and, but I feel good about myself. Those things do not go together. And that is why slaying the shame, challenging the idea that there is something wrong with you, with your inherent being, so important. Often we have this notion that if we just lose weight, we lose the things about ourselves that make us feel shame. We're not thinking it in those terms. We're not thinking, oh, I don't like these qualities about myself. And when I, you know, when I lose weight, I will like, you know, sort of symbolically lose those qualities. Again, it is not conscious, it's unconscious. Diet industry, the $60 billion diet industry, by the way, that is very interested in you continuing to diet, because that is how a $60 billion industry stays a $60 billion industry. They keep selling you the same thing in different forms. The, the diet industry wants you to think that if you just lose weight, you gain the life you want. You, if you lose weight, you gain self-esteem. If you lose weight, you lose shame. If you lose weight, you're going to be a better version of you. This is an illusion. An absolutely compelling illusion, which is why it's a $60 billion industry. But it is an illusion nonetheless. You know what happens when you lose weight? You lose weight. And sure, maybe at first, you're like, ooh, I can wear whatever I want and I can go out to dinner and I can order things and I don't have to worry about people staring at me or judging me or I can wear the clothes that I want to wear and this feels good and hey, maybe I'll go on a date or maybe I'll break up with my partner or maybe I'll try something new. Yeah, for a little bit. And then eventually, you know, wherever you go, there you are. So eventually, you're still the same you inside. And if you shame yourself about your weight, Losing weight isn't going to make you shame yourself less. It just gets switched to something else. So then you start shaming yourself for some other perceived deficit. That's why it's really important to take away the shame. Dogs are shameless. We all know that. You know, pretty much shameless. <laughs> they don't have shame. My dog Zane once scarfed down an entire meal of, of, it was actually in front of my husband. He, he ate a burger and remember he's 165 pounds. So it's kind of like a, 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 a horse just coming in and sucking up, up the contents of your plate. He, and a corn on the cob with the, 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 the prongs in it. And he just looked at, at us like, Hmm, oh, that was good. Um, Yeah. $9,000 operation later, it was out. Thank God we have pet insurance. Healthy Paws, thank you. Shout out to Healthy Paws. <laughs> They're amazing. Oh, am I at 30 seconds? No, I'm not. Okay. So look, when you, so we got to look at, challenge the idea that there is something wrong with you. You learned shame. You learned it. You learned to feel bad about yourself. You can unlearn it. So take a moment and think about, 
you know, what really are you telling yourself is wrong with you? And would you think that of another person? When you get rid of the shame, you you don't use food as a way of escaping your own self-shaming mind. Eating, emotional eating, binge eating, it is a form of self-abandonment and it is a form of escape. It does so many things. When you can be there for yourself in a new way, when you could be nurturing and kind and loving and supportive and validating and encouraging to yourself, guess what? You stop using food for comfort, distraction, or what have you. And I think that brings us to our break. So I'm going to take um, a couple minutes break. If you're on Instagram, I'm going to stay with you. And uh, I'll be back in a couple minutes. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of the endless cycle of dieting and binging? Ready to break free from emotional eating and regain control of your life? Look no further than The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina, the transformative radio show that will empower you on your journey to food freedom. Dr. Nina is here to guide you every step of the way. Join her as she delves into the true causes of binge eating, uncovers hidden triggers, and gives you effective strategies for lasting change. With practical tips and inspiring stories of transformation, The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina will help you nurture a healthier mindset, embrace self-compassion, and rediscover your true self. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Have questions for Dr. Nina? Join her on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now back to the show. Welcome back to The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I'm your host, Dr. Nina Savelle Rockland, and we are talking about the seven astonishing ways that dogs can unleash optimal well-being. We talked about sniffing out self-love and paying attention to your personality, not your weight, unleashing optimal well-being by being comfortable with your needs, having a tail-wagging presence and being in the moment, 
Um, and unleashing joy, exercising because you love it. And by the way, um, that led to a short discussion on shame, which is so important. You know, when you feel bad because you've just made yourself feel bad by the way that you're talking to yourself, food helps you escape and feel better. The answer is not to focus on what you're eating. It's to focus on your relationship with yourself. If you wouldn't say it to a child, a friend, someone you love, do not say it to yourself. All right. The fifth tip is uh, dreamy dog naps. Get enough sleep. Dogs always get enough sleep. In fact, that may be the understatement of the century to say that dogs get enough sleep. Because you know what? When they're tired, they sleep. Sounds so simple, right? But how many times have you been tired and instead of getting some rest, you eat something with sugar to pep yourself up? Food is not the answer to being tired. Rest is. But a lot of people, when they are tired, they eat instead of getting some rest. That might be because, you know, it's hard during the middle of the weekday or um, the, uh, the workday or you have kids or you have a job or you're you're driving or something. It's 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 hard to just take a take a little nap, or maybe you don't like taking naps. But eating is not the solution to being tired. Food is not like caffeine that wakes us up. Uh, all you do is end up eating more and more and more because yeah, something sugary it will wake you up. It'll spike your blood sugar and then plummet. You get the crash, and then you're even more exhausted than you were before. And then you eat more sugar more sugary somethings, and, and then you get even more of a crash. So if that sounds familiar, if you can relate to that, tap into your inner dog, your inner Zane, who, take it from me, sleeps a lot. And the next time you're tired, take a nap. Even 10 minutes can make such a difference, or just, or just take a little rest. It can make such a difference in the way that you feel. Just a little, it's called a cat nap, but maybe a dog nap. And the same is 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 for the opposite when you are um, eating to sedate yourself and calm down. So often we're we've had maybe too much caffeine, or we're having anxiety about something going on, and we're just we've got that whoo that anxious fast heartbeat horrible anxiety feeling, and we might use food as a way of just sedating ourselves and calming ourselves down. So instead of that, um, use other methods. If you just want <clears throat> something just to, to help you physically calm down fast, the progressive muscle relaxation exercise is an excellent way to do that. And what you do is, like if I just said, hey, I know you're anxious, but just relax. What is going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Absolutely nothing is going to happen. Because if you could relax, you would relax. You can't just relax physically, just like on the on the force of your mind. So what you have to do is give yourself something, give your body something to relax against. And how you do this is you tense up. Now the progressive muscle relaxation exercise is progressive because you're supposed to start with like your, your feet and, and then your legs and then your abs, your stomach, and then your, and then your arms. Personally, I find it helpful to just tighten every muscle in your body, like just tighten, tighten it up, 
like as tight as you can and hold it for like 10 or 15 seconds. Hold it as long as you can and just as tight as you can. And when you hold it, and if you're listening to this, let's do it together. Just tighten everything. Tighten your your feet, your legs, your abs, your arms. Just make a fist. Just tight, 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 tight. We're only going to hold it for five, four, three, two, one. Now relax. You feel that? You should feel that. That helps you relax. And when you relax your body just a little bit, it does help you relax your mind. So try that instead of eating to perk yourself up or eating to calm yourself down. If you are tired, you know, give yourself a little bit of a rest or hey, drink some caffeine. Don't eat sugar. Sugar causes the crash. And if you are all anxious and you're stressed out and it's just like, uh, and you're eating to just sedate yourself, and that's, that often comes from a lot of carbs, carbs have a sedative effect, try the progressive muscle relaxation exercise, either progressively or how I just taught it. You will see a difference. It is pretty amazing. All right. So the next tip is uh, barking your truth express yourself. Dogs express themselves so easily. If they are happy, oh, you know it. And if they are not happy, oh, you know it. Dogs don't think, oh, I really love my person. I love my person so much, but I don't want to show it. No, I don't want to show it. I Because what if I show it? What if I show that I love this person and they don't feel the same way and they don't they don't love me back and that would be just that would be mortifying and what would that mean would it mean I'm too much or would they think I'm weird or what if and, and what if and what if and what if What if is fear about the future and it causes terrible anxiety in the present about a situation that does not exist and it can leave you feeling stressed out and stuck and having real emotions of anxiety about a future that doesn't exist. Dogs are not caught up in this analysis paralysis. They just lick you and wag their tails and they show you how happy they are to see you or meet you for the first time. Or maybe you left three minutes ago and you came back and they are just delighted to see you. They don't say, mm, it's only been three minutes. I really shouldn't be this excited. Like, you know, what if I'm too much? No, they're just like, ah, you're back. Yes. <laughs> we don't, right? We don't show our, our feelings. We're too worried. We just have the what ifs, which keeps us stuck. And by the way, if dogs are upset, oh, they show that too. They 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 growl, they bark. They don't think, oh, it's wrong to be angry and upset. I shouldn't be angry and upset. This is not a good thing. Uh, I'm a bad person because I'm angry and upset, or I'm a bad dog because I'm angry or upset. I, I, I have these feelings of anger and this is not okay. No, if someone treats a dog badly, they don't deny their anger. They don't think, I'm not angry at this person. I'm sure there's a perfectly good reason why they treated me in that horrible way. I, I have no anger towards them. I'm perfectly under understanding of why they did that. I mean, there's a reason and I can, uh, you know, and, and even if I understand it, it's not a big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal. Dogs don't dismiss how they feel. <laughs> they don't also say, no, no, I'm not angry at that 
situation or person, what's actually really upsetting me is the fact that I ate bagels for breakfast. And that's why I'm mad. I am so mad at myself. That's what I call the boomerang binge. You know, I'm upset at this person or situation. No, no, no. Actually, I know I'm not. I'm mad at myself. Look at what I weigh. Look at what I ate. This is so unhealthy. This is a terrible way to relate to yourself. Dogs don't do that. Dogs just say, hmm, yeah, that person did not treat me well. I'm not happy with that person. I don't like that person. And then they bark or they growl or they just walk away. And if they're afraid of someone or something, they lean up against you or they shy away. They show that they are frightened. They just show what they're feeling. They don't say, oh, I'm such a total wimp. I need to man up here. Dogs express their feelings. Feelings are reactions to situations. They are not character flaws. And you remember, you cannot eat away your feelings. You cannot push them down. You can't drop them. You can't positive think them away. The only way to get rid of feelings is to feel them. And this is something that our culture does not encourage. Our culture says, oh, if you have feelings, you're weak. And if you can push away your feelings and ignore them, you're strong. Only the reality is we can't ignore them. They come out somehow. There's the boomerang binge. We, or we yell at people on the, on the streets when we get cut off. We lose our minds and yell and have road rage because you know, that anger has to come out or that sadness has to come out. The only way to get rid of feelings so that you don't try to stuff them down or turn them against yourself is to feel them. Now, how do we feel them? A lot of people say to me, well, uh, I guess I just need to sit through my feelings. No, you can't sit through your feelings either. There has to be a strategy of how to deal with feelings. And we are not taught that. We're just told, don't have those feelings. You shouldn't feel that. And if, and if you feel bad, just compare yourself to someone who has it worse, and then you won't feel bad. Or if someone dies, this is the one, like, they're in a better place. They had a good life. <laughs> you know, that does not help. Because it's about you. You feel the loss. You feel the loss and you get to mourn and grieve and have whatever feelings you have about the situation. Because if you don't, those feelings are going to come out in a different way, often with food. So how do you feel your feelings? First, you identify them. That's why I created my food mood formula, which I talk about in other, I've, I've talked about it on the show before. It's also in my book. Um, the Binge Cure and the Binge Cure Journal go into depth about how do you identify your feelings when you're so quick to turn to food. You don't even know you're triggered. You think you're being triggered by food. Then you have to express it. And you, you have to say, I'm so frustrated without turning it on yourself. I'm so frustrated about this situation because it means this. I'm so worried about this because it means that. I'm so sad. I'm so, like you, you, you have to like in whole sentences <laughs> express for yourself, not necessarily to another person, express what you feel. And then 
And then, oh, and you have to do it with, with, uh, with affect. It's not enough to say, I'm very frustrated about the situation. That is trying to think your feelings away. That doesn't work. You've got to say it with affect, meaning umph. We gotta, why are emotions called feelings? Because we're supposed to feel them in our bodies. So I'm very frustrated. It's just a, an intellectual exercise and does not help at all. But if you say, oh, I'm so frustrated, Ugh, right? You feel it in your body. That's what helps you get it out. And then you have to respond to yourself. You have to tell yourself, yeah, of course I feel this way. I came up with a, an acronym for this to help you out. Val vary your reaction. Validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself. Validate. Yes, of course I feel this way. How else could I feel given the situation? Validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself. I've been through tough times before. I can get through this again. I, I'm going to challenge the meaning of what it means about me or to me. I am resourceful. I'm, I'm creative. I'm intelligent. I'm going to figure out a way out of this or whatever it is given the situation. Validate, acknowledge, and reassure yourself. And that leads me to number seven, which is positive reinforcement. I warned you about the puns. Positive reinforcement means celebrate your achievements. Dogs respond really well to positive reinforcement. This, this approach is what works best when you are training a dog. And it isn't just effective for training our furry friends. It is a powerful tool for boosting our own self-esteem and motivation. So dogs, what happens when you praise them? When you say, oh, you're such a good boy, whatever. They wag their tails in delight. They, it feels good to be rewarded because it, it feels good to get acknowledgement, rewarded with words, right? Oh. Now, Zane happens to be deaf since birth, so he can't hear can't hear what I'm saying when I say, oh, I still talk to him. Oh, you're such a good boy. But he can feel it. He can feel it. He can see it. He knows when I'm just going like, oh, when our whole family does that. Oh, you're so amazing. And he's all, oh, oh, oh yes, I am. So it feels good to be acknowledged, to be celebrated, just not even for what you do, but for just being there for who you are. So we can also benefit from the same thing. We can acknowledge and celebrate our achievements, recognize our successes, and that can be something that you actually do or something that you do differently. Like, oh, I feel really good because I, I was nice to myself today. You know, that's a success. It's important to, re to recognize the, 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 our own personal achievements, whatever they are to you. And often we just overlook like the small victories in our daily lives and we focus instead on the larger goals or, or on the setbacks, what's keeping us stuck. But, you know, it is the, the accumulation of these small wins that lead to bigger triumphs. For example, um, two examples I like to use. So one example, when you sit down to learn an instrument, like say the piano, no one sits down at the piano and expects to play Tchaikovsky. No, you've got to you've got to like learn which finger goes to which key and and how does and reading the 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 music and there's a lot of thinking involved and it takes time. 
But we don't say to ourselves, oh, no, I am not going to feel good about myself until I can play a concerto on the piano. We say, oh, my gosh, I can I can play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Yay, me. Right? We celebrate the, the those achievements. When we set out to run a marathon, if you say, well, you know, I have to run 26 point whatever miles, and that's my definition of success, you are setting yourself up to feel bad. And if you feel bad and you don't have a reliable way to make yourself feel better, that's where eating can come in, comfort, distraction, et cetera. When we run a marathon, we run a mile and we say, wow, I ran a mile, you know, good for me. And then, you you know, you run a mile and a half. Awesome. I'm running more. You you have to celebrate each of those those victories, because they add up to one day running that 26 miles. A few years ago, uh, I I did the Susan G. Komen 60-mile walk. And it, uh, my best friend and I were doing this walk, and we kept, we kept, <laughs> people kept going, only, you know, 55 more miles. And it really drove us crazy, because what we wanted to hear was, hey, you got five miles down. Good for you. That's encouraging. So encourage yourself the way you encourage your dogs or other people. Um, dogs also don't say, this feels really good to be recognized. Am I being narcissistic? Am I taking attention away from other people? Is this okay? It's all right. Like lots of people have done this. They just, they do not do that as we do. Like we basically purge of the good, right? Dogs bask in the recognition. They love the attention. So as a result, they are not starving for love. They are not starving for attention, hungry for love, however you want to put it, whatever food metaphor <laughs> fits for you. They allow themselves to be happy in the moment. So celebrating achievements can take a lot of forms, taking a moment to acknowledge something you did really well, something you did differently, sharing with a friend or your family, you know, just, just recognizing that when you do something differently, it matters and, and honoring that. It's like a mental pat on the back and it reinforces a good feeling. And when we feel good, we don't need food to feel good. So it has a lot to do with our relationship with eating. And also when we acknowledge our, our progress, it gives us a sense of momentum. It Everything is just a step forward for us. We're doing more, we're growing, we're evolving, or we're doing or whatever. And it, it cultivates a mindset that, uh, that like appreciates progress over perfection, right? And remember, you're perfectly imperfect. There's no such thing as perfection. So in the spirit of positive reinforcement, I, I just love that pun. I can't help it. Um, make it a habit to celebrate your achievements, whether it is completing something at work or sticking to a healthy habit or being nicer to yourself or catching yourself when you are uh, heading to the kitchen going, oh, I know why I want to do that. Or just managing a stressful day with more grace. Each accomplishment is worthy of recognition. And so 
uh, dogs are fine with that. Let's be fine with that too. Let's learn to thrive when you when you have this positive reinforcement that comes from celebrating yourself. So when you pay attention to your basic needs, all of them, when you when you when you when you focus on your personality instead of your weight, when you express yourself and when you connect with other people also in a in a in a positive way, you feel better. Because we can connect with other people when we have a good relationship with ourselves. And when that happens, you don't need food for comfort or distraction. So I have just a couple minutes left. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna run through what we talked about today. Um, let me see if anyone has any questions. I have like maybe one minute, <laughs> maybe one minute. Okay. So recap, pay attention to your personality, not your weight, because that encourages a focus on inner qualities and self-acceptance over physical appearance. Find something you like about your physical self as well. Unleash optimal well-being by being comfortable with your needs. Understanding and prioritizing your needs is important. It is not selfish. It is self-care. Be in the moment because when you live in the moment and appreciate each moment, you're not worrying about the future. You're not what-ifing yourself and having anxiety in the present about a future that hasn't existed and then using food to comfort yourself. Exercise because you love it. Find something you love. It won't feel like exercise. Get enough sleep. If you're tired, don't eat sugar to wake up. Give yourself rest. If you're anxious, don't eat to calm yourself down. Give yourself what you really need. Express yourself, right? Don't be afraid to show your feelings. Don't be afraid to feel your feelings. And again, positive reinforcement. Celebrate yourself. Celebrate your achievements. And when you do that on a consistent basis, you will feel differently in this world. You will be at peace. You will find a way to, you know, you'll identify your needs. You'll meet your needs. You'll identify your feelings and meet them. When you do that, you do not need food for comfort, distraction, to fill a void, to displace anger, all the various ways that, that eating and binge eating can affect our lives. That is the show for today. Thank you so much for joining me on The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. I am here every Thursday at noon Pacific on Voice America. And if you want a deeper dive into this topic, be sure to get your copy of my best-selling book, The Binge Cure, Seven Steps to Outsmart Emotional Eating. It is available on Amazon in all formats, including Audible, if you want me to read it to you. And also, there's a now there's a workbook companion the Binge Cure Journal. Um, stay curious, not critical. Have a very happy holiday and I will see you next week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Binge Cure with Dr. Nina. Each week, she offers valuable insights to stop emotional eating and give steps to lead a joyous life. Tune in next Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.